Jarvis, drop my needle. Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and if you are interested in listening to idiots, you came to the right place. Have a nice day. Woo! That's an attention getter. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. What we're dealing with here is a complete lack of respect for the law. Oh my God, he's an idiot. You know, of course, that you're out of your jurisdiction. Personally, I think you're an idiot. But that's the evidence in the car. But I was going to Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Always like to keep my audience riveted. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to Free Range Idiocy, the podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. If there's one thing in this world that can unite us as quickly as it divides us, aside from opinions on Star Wars movies beyond the OG trilogy, it's music. Those sweet sounds to soothe the savage beast in all of us, or to help us rage against whatever particular machine we happen to be facing. So once again, we have challenged each other to listen to an album and report back on our particular idiotic findings. That's right. It's another installment of album one-on-one in this episode 82, Stone Temple Pilots versus Aerosmith. My name is Todd, and with me, as always, is the man who once rushed the stage at a concert and let loose with one of the most beautiful stage dives you've ever seen, until he realized it was a Neil Diamond show and ain't nobody catching him. He has been a member of the Church of Idiocy his entire life and my partner in idiocy for over two decades and counting. I give you the man they call Tim. Greetings and salutations, my friend. How are you? You know, I'm doing well and yourself, sir. I'm doing well, although I will admit my trick knee is uh, slightly due to that stage dive you referenced. So. <laughs> you have a trick knee? What does it do? Roll over? Peg? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> Mostly it just plays dead because he's over 40. Absolutely. Hey. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Death stalks you at every turn. Try the veal. Okay. Ah, oh, yes. Well, folks, uh, I do have to make a, a bit of a programming announcement. Uh, mm-hmm. If sound a little bit different we are back uh recording at free range idiocy hq uh it's it's somewhat good to be back um the the irony is that the uh we are now at that portion of the year where you know you start noticing all of the things after you've moved into a office space and then you realize you forget something after as a seasons change realizing now that there's a a malfunction in the heating unit here at free range (laughs) idiocy headquarters is patrick uh, on that one <laughs> i i'm thinking about it i'm thinking about giving them a pair of pliers and a set of wrenches <laughs> and tell them just go because the problem is apparently now and i and i know that this can this happens for a fact because it happened at our house when our furnace was malfunctioning you can actually have a heating system that it gets too cold for the heating system to turn on or, or does or to not function properly mm-hmm. have you ever experienced this in in one of your homes uh no i have not I don't recommend it. I do okay. not recommend it. It's not It's not what you want as a positive feature. So we've hit that portion of the year where it gets cold enough that now the heat kicks off. And it kicks uh-huh. off because now it gets dark here in Maine at about 2.15 in the afternoon. <laughs> it starts getting cold about mid-afternoon. And by the time I showed up to record, I realized the heat wasn't working anymore. So now we're slowly dipping down and about 10 a.m. tomorrow morning, it'll finally warm up enough to start in. And by that point, it'll be, you know, I'll see my breath in here. So it's going to be awesome. If I'm Great. Cha- if my teeth are chattering by the end of this, I apologize to everybody. I'll try and use a little noise reduction to knock that down. But uh, but yeah, it, it's been it's been this way for a little while. I am on the verge of just giving Patrick the toolbox and seeing what he can do. 
I, I put 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 his happen? put his fire skills to good use for once. <laughs> well, the thing is, that's probably the one thing that he couldn't set on fire. That would be just my luck. That would be just my oh, luck. Dear. Well, before we get into our main subject, of course, we like to do a little thing we call the Weekend Geek. This is all a little news items, not quite good enough or big enough or a big enough deal for a show unto itself. However, they do bear mentioning and do bear some talking about some mulling or as Tim would probably say, some mullinating or mullating or mulletating. I don't know, whatever. But Marinating? this is, oh. yeah, maybe that too. The Weekend Geek. The Weekend Geek. Feels so funky. Thank you, sir. Uh, well, as is our uh, custom over the last few weeks here, uh, we will dive right into what everyone has been waiting to hear about: Week no Eleven geez. fantasy football results. Ain't nobody waiting on this. Uh, you yes. are an eternal optimist if you actually think that's the case. But go I'm ahead having and a wait. fantastic season, and so I'm just just giddy to chat about it. You're just giddy because your whole season hasn't gone by the wayside after Derrick Henry got hurt. You're just so excited that that hasn't fallen apart on you Absolutely. yet. Absolutely. I, I am showing uh, my coaching prowess. Uh, my, oh my team my. has been uh, performing Wait, and you overperforming. you giving them a pep talk at halftime? That's right. I have the old fedora on and, uh, oh, you know, just, just give them a little pep talk and it's all good. Who are you kidding? You've got the Bill Belichick sweats and they're pulled up like just under your armpits. <laughs> I can't argue with that. I, I am like one to wear this old man level, old man level like waistline where it's like, oh, yeah. the, it seems like the waist disappears and it just, all of a sudden the pants are right up under the nipples. <laughs> oh, oh my actually, gosh. Okay, so time out, time out. I got to tell you this. I got to tell you this. We were at a, We were watching a championship football game the other day, a uh, high school championship football game. And one of the referees, God love him. He had on his ref pants, and they were—they were about an inch and a half below his nipples. There was barely any. There was barely any striped shirt, shirt showing. Oh it my was, gosh! I'm, I'm pretty sure he had his whistle tucked into the front of his pants. <laughs> and I turned to the person who was with me. I was like, you know, just because those pants go up that high doesn't mean they should go up that high. Oh no. <laughs> That's it's awesome. like, first of all, it's not a good look. Second of all, you've got to have a wedge that you're never getting out, yeah. like ever. Yeah. Oh, no. Anyways, but as you were saying, sir, sorry. Well, no, that's fine. Uh, week 11 of the 2021 campaign, uh, as we uh, have called it here. And uh, let's just as dive right in. As you here. To, what's that? I'm sorry? As you have called it here. Uh, I'm yes. not calling it that. I understand. Well, we'll start in, uh, you know, first with, with Uncle Todd, who uh, eked out, eked. Uh, a one-point victory. Uh, it was a yes. close one. Close one, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. 20, two, 221 to 220. Yeah, uh, and that was partially, that was quite a bit on me because I did have, I I, I sat, uh, what's his face, Devonta Adams, who went off for like 30 points yeah. uh, because he was questionable. And I'm like, oh, well, I've, I'm feeling pretty good about the rest of my lineup. I'll throw someone else in. Yeah, that didn't work so well. But how about uh, your running backs, man? I mean, for crying out loud, Jonathan Taylor, 84 fantasy points, man. That was unreal. Four rushing touchdowns, 185 yards, 32 attempts. Oh, my goodness. And and made Dalvin Cook look pedestrian mm-hmm. by, by comparison. Mm-hmm. Dalvin Cook had 43 points, nothing to nothing to sneeze at. No. But, but on this week, it was a very much to sneeze at. So, yeah, I, I, I've, uh, I've managed to pull myself 
up above 500 for, I think, I think it might be the first time this season since game one. Very nice. That, that might be it. And now in sole possession of fourth place. <laughs> sole possession. And that might sound like, uh, oh, it's eight teams. You're in fourth place. That's, for me, that's a lot to celebrate because I thought is. for sure I was going to end up in seventh place. Just that was going to happen. But you, maybe you, you there's still time, point, though. There's you were still at one time. point in seventh place, and then mm-hmm. there was a question of whether the cellar dwellers were going to catch you. <laughs> Which uh, I would have put some money on that, honestly. I <laughs> Which, by the way, odds. I still need to log into that account and get Cam Newton out of there. The Cellar Dwellers posted 92 fantasy points, 16 of which came from Nick Folk. So I got to do some switching up of the kicker and the quarterback. Oh, I got to oh. see if I can trade for Nick Folk. I mean, can you can you hook a brother up? Those are, that's some good points for a kicker. Goodness. I mean, talk about consistency out of a kicker. This guy's been putting up du- double digits all season long. It's incredible. Yeah, I mean, you can't get that kind of point production. But anyway, how was no. your week? You you also had 221 points. I did. Uh, we we tied for most points in the league for the week and came out with a dominating performance. All all my players uh, were performing at or above where they should have. Minus two, two of my wide receivers uh, kind of were, were duds. But my my running backs came through. One of them being a, a traditional starter, Nick Nick Chubb, who who recently has come off the uh, COVID wagon. And then uh, I had a, a, a I think it was a Baltimore running back as a backup who actually had quite a day. So that was that was refreshing to see. I wasn't expecting much out of him. But uh, overall, very good. Won two hundred twenty one one ninety five. Uh, I have now clinched a playoff spot. And uh, going back a few weeks, I just want to uh, mention to Yahoo and their projections that they can go pound sand because <laughs> the man they call Tim is not going to be at seven and seven or seven and eight. It's going to be a healthy 10 or uh, 12, 12 and two, we'll call it, baby. Once uh, again, pride cometh before the fall. I remember you bragging like this before Derek Henry, like I had know. a leg fly off. <laughs> And I checked my schedule to see what my last three games are, and guess what the last game of the season's going to be, of the regular oh, season. Oh, really? Idiot Bowl 2, ladies and gentlemen. Idiot Bowl 2 will be the final game of the regular season for Uncle Todd and I. And I'm going to get killed. That's just oh, the way it is. It's going gonna, to gonna happen. It's going to happen. However, I, I do want to – now, I, I know that everybody's here for the fake football talk, but – I just want to say, I, I personally, I've not watched a lot of NFL action the past couple of years, mm-hmm. and uh, I just happened to, to decide to flip on the beginning of the, the Pats-Falcons game the other day, mm-hmm. and I don't know, folks, I, I, saw, someone, I saw someone on ESPN a, a couple of weeks ago, I, I wish I could remember who it was, I don't think it was on, a, I don't think it was on Screamin' A. Smith's show. I can't remember who it was, but they basically said the Patriots can mess around and go to the Super Bowl. And I was like, that's actually the perfect way to put it. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I mean, I know it's against the Falcons team that hasn't been over 500 in, you know, like five, six years or something like that since they went to the Super Bowl. They really haven't recovered from that Super Bowl, by the way. No, the they Falcons haven't. Just, no. Oh, my gosh. You've never se- I've never seen a franchise take a loss like that and just like turtle so badly. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. It's like it, it yeah. wounded their souls somehow. Anyways, mm-hmm. uh, but I mean it's a it's not a great it's not a good team for sure. Mm-hmm. But that's what good teams do is they take care of business against bad teams and do it quite handily and man looks good looks like again i hate to say it you know if you're a patriots fan it's like you you feel like i think i've seen this movie before 
think I've seen this movie before. You know, like all you you need a you need a really good defense, really good coach, mm-hmm. and you kind of need an offense that can give you some points and a quarterback who isn't going to kill you. I don't know. It seems like they might have those things. So just just to intrude on the fake football with some real football, I don't know. I might I might try and find a you know some some, some degenerate gamblers around here to put some bets on. <laughs> I I mean I I agree with what you said. I I think their defense has been strong and I think they've been performing as well as they can offensively. I mean they had a blowout, uh, wasn't it this past week? It was like forty something. Or am I thinking of two weeks ago? Uh, I think I'm I thinking of two weeks ago. They they yeah. had a blowout against. It might have been the Jets or something like that. I forget. Yeah, but then the Falcons they they took care of like twenty five to nothing. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, it's, and a great again and not a dominant team, but man, they just they just took care of business. It was mm-hmm. solid, mm-hmm. and it was on to whoever's next, and that's what good teams do. On to the next. But anyway. All right. Well, enough of the fake football 2021 campaign. We're going to move on to, uh, we, we, we had a trailer, an updated trailer come out uh, this last yes. week for Spider-Man No Way Home. And I just thought uh, we'd take a few minutes and just kind of get a couple hot takes from you and I on our thoughts on, on said trailer. So, uh, yes, sir. Just wanted to kind of see what you thought. Does this change anything for you in terms of your perception of the movie or, or, or what? I am not if I'm it really doesn't dim my enthusiasm for the movie because it would be very hard to uh, mm-hmm. because I, I do I do really like oh my gosh what's his face the the dude is playing Spider-Man Tom Holland uh, I do enjoy Tom Holland's performance I think they've they've really got Spider-Man right mm-hmm. in in this incarnation I feel like they really really have a good take good feel the feel for the character good take on all the characters I really like this. So it's it's not going to dim my enthusiasm for it. I was not a fan of the trailer. I, ah. I thought the, the initial trailer was much better, a little bit more ambiguous, didn't show you as much. I felt like they were trying to almost like, come on, no, you really want to see this movie. It's like, no, don't don't do that. Don't go down the DC route. Don't pander. Don't try and like lure me in. Like, you got me. You got all of us. Let's mm. be honest. Like, how, look how much money Marvel movies make. You got us. Don't start giving away stuff and trying to do what other trailers do, which is try and like almost reel you in. Like I felt like it was pandering a little bit and I I didn't like it. I don't want a lot shown. I like how Marvel has been pretty close to the vest in their in their trailers and they don't show you a lot like all the Doctor Strange sort of instead of Doctor Strange we get Doctor Explain like here let me explain this movie to you and I'm like no I don't want that I want that when I'm watching the movie I don't want you to do give that to me in the trailer so I will see the flick mm-hmm. not really impressed with this trailer still thinking it's Mephisto could be uh, <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be another two years before Mephisto even appears in any Marvel content. We're going to be like, yeah, who knows? (laughs) Who knows? Uh, Who knows? What uh, about you, sir? What do you think? What do you think about the trailer part? I I thought it was interesting. So it's pretty much confirmed that we're going to see Lizard, Electro, Sandman, Doc Ock. So -hmm. we got four. I thought there was a fifth. Did you say Electro? Electro. Yeah. Jamie Foxx is. Coming back as Electro. Yeah, so Electro, Sandman, Doc Ock, that's three. Lizard is four. Who is the fifth one that I thought I saw? Oh, uh, Green, Green Goblin. Goblin. Green Goblin. Because yeah. I, I am preparing the the real and the jabroni for, for Spider-Man No Way Home. 
because yes, we are going to do that again. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the questions is going to be around, uh, are they going to materialize and identify those who are traveling into the Spider-Man universe here, uh, the the Sinister Six? Are, Are we actually seeing the formation of the Sinister Six in this movie? Because we're we're getting awfully close. We're we're at five. So <laughs> true, true. Yeah, it's interesting. And then you know, like you said, I think this trailer kind of explained a little bit more the you know the back and forth with Doctor Strange and Peter. It seems like uh, we, we got a little bit of insight into the struggle that they're having on that train that we saw. And yeah, it, it did kind of you know kind of bring you down a little bit in terms of okay well maybe it's not mephisto because it seemed like doctor strange was pretty level-headed through all of this so i i don't know you know yeah yeah Um, it just gave away too much it did and and what i found interesting though was when they did talk about the multiverse and they were talking about you know it seemed like strange was trying to prevent some things from happening it was interesting to see that purple hue that we've you know started to kind of understand from loki that is associated with kang and so i'm kind of wondering Mm. if this is, you know, going to be somehow tied into what we saw at the end of Loki, where the multiverse kind of splinters and becomes something, and mm-hmm. uh, and 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 this is a result of of that to some degree, because it does seem somewhat, you know, somewhat relevant in in that sense. So, I so I I, I was, you know, it was it was fun to see. Um, my, my sons both mentioned to me that I guess there was a Brazilian version of this trailer that came out that actually kind of showed, if if you look carefully, when when they showed all the villains that Marvel may have done some some editing of the trailer to kind of hide what is rumored to be uh, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield coming in as the other two multiversal Spider-Men because a couple of the villains look like they're getting attacked and, and Tom Holland is nowhere near them. So yeah. uh, it's kind of similar to to what they did with Professor Hulk in Avengers Endgame where, where you didn't see him on that, mm. you know, kind of slow walk to, to the, to the stage there before they did the time travel. So yeah, um, a little potential there for, for a surprise where that becomes a real, a realized thing. So yeah, it was interesting. I mean, um, like, like you said, you, you, you kind of like it to not be explained. Um, it does kind of lend itself. There, there was a quote from Tom Holland last week where he was saying that this movie is going to go kind of in a dark place. And it definitely had that feeling in the beginning, like like there, there's going to be a loss, I think, coming. And mm. uh, you can't fight all all those bad guys without there being some casualties. So, uh, oh, definitely, so, yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out. Indeed, it will. Next item, uh, it comes uh, via denofgeeks.com, uh, and not just from them. This this was kind of announced across a bunch of different sources last week, but uh, the character of Sabine Wren has been cast for the live-action Ahsoka series. Ooh. Natasha Liu Bordizzo will be playing Sabine Wren uh, in the Ahsoka series, and uh, there's two very interesting points about this character that I wanted to call out. Um, mm-hmm. the first being, uh, and, and maybe, you know, this, cause I think you mentioned you watch rebels with, with your daughter, correct? Yes. yes. Yep. So when we last saw Sabine, she was going to assist or work with Ahsoka to find, uh, they, they went on a search for Ezra Bridger because, uh, as you may or may not have heard on this show or, or other shows, uh, Ezra, well, he and the grand Admiral Thrawn decided to be hyperspaced away by space whales. Yeah. They, they went away as they say. <laughs> Nanu nanu, and out, so out where the out where the buses don't run. <laughs> 
So that was the last we kind of saw of her. And um, what's kind of interesting is her her presence in Ahsoka, you know, may be a confirmation of the direction the show is, you know, going in with with maybe it, it being a search for Ezra, as well as, as the Grand Admiral, um, as we mm-hmm. had heard Ahsoka inquire about in The Mandalorian. But the interesting implication for The Mandalorian is that, you know, her character comes from a Mandalorian clan. And mm. she originally, you know, she she fought with Bo, Bo-Katan to free Mandalore and uh, basically was the possessor of the Darksaber and she gifted it to Bo. Bo mm. then loses it to, um, oh, I'm forgetting his name, Giancarlo Esposito. Um, yeah. Um, you know who shoot. I'm talking about. Yeah, it's a um, uh, crud. I can't. Yeah, I know who Moff you're talking Gideon. about. Moff Gideon. Yes. And I knew Moff, Moff was in there, but I couldn't remember what the rest of it was. Yes. And then Moff loses it to Din Djarin, the Mandalorian. And so there's also that angle to it as well, that with her coming back and with Bo-Katan not necessarily having defeated her for the Darksaber, will she eventually kind of be worked into that storyline? Because when we come back to season three of the Mandalorian, there has got to be, got to be, some strand of storyline that's going to be about the dark saber and, and the implications of him having that. So, you so think I think so, this yeah. is really cool. I think this is really cool overall uh, to bring in a character like that. Your thoughts, sir. Well, you know what they say, the more Mandalorians, the merrier. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. Uh, you know what, Patrick? You having some bourbon over there, my friend? <laughs> you know what, Patrick? Just turn around and go figure out how to mail them packages. Don't give me that look. Don't I give me that. I was working look. on the furnace. No, I haven't sent him out there for that yet. I'm right. waiting for it to get colder, honestly. All right. Goodness. What? Goodness. Yeah, I got to mail the packages out. Don't make me regret recording here. I can do this in my car, all right? <laughs> Anyways, sorry. Um, no, I'm I'm excited for it cuz I I thought Sabine was a was a very interesting character in Rebels and it was interesting seeing kind of how that character grew. And I mean, I I kind of said it as a joke, but yeah, more Mandalor more Mandalorians. I'm all in, mm-hmm. especially the mm-hmm. fact that it just makes things more complicated, you know. And and yeah. how if if season three really or yeah, season three of the Mandalorian really revolves around Dark Saber and Bo Katan and Sabine, and and maybe you know how all that plays out. Uh, sign me, me up. up. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm ready for that. Mm-hmm. Indeed. That sounds like a lot of fun. Now, the question I have is, should I know this actor, uh, the Natasha from anything? Would I know her? Um, I don't have the article up right now. I don't know. Okay. I'll, I'll take a uh, peek and see if I can figure this out. Let me see out, if I can find anything. The about... name does not sound at all familiar. I'd have to look her up in IMDb. I'm not in. I don't think the article. Oh, here really... she is. Well, they're saying the society is what she's. You know, like uh, so-and-so from blah, blah, blah. Is there anything that I would know? Oh, my gosh. She was born the freaking year I graduated from high school. Good God, I'm old. At my age, the mind starts playing tricks. So, ah, death. That's only the cat. Oh. <laughs> How you feeling now? <laughs> oh, I just, oh, your knee is acting up. Mine just almost fell out from under me. There you uh, go. There you no, go. I got, I got nothing. No yeah. idea who she is, but hey, I mean, I didn't know who a lot of these other people were. So whatever, Favreau and Filoni, geniuses, geniuses, I say. 
And finally, less a topic of geekdom and, uh, or, or as I like to call it, a little culinary chicanery that uh, uh, yes. Uncle Todd and I will be uh, exercising in a couple days here. Thanksgiving is upon us, ladies and gentlemen. Mm, and uh, yes. it is an occasion, Uncle Todd and I uh, delve into the culinary arts. Yes, we do hurt ourselves. And yes, there are normally uh, Band-Aids involved. But... Coming up on this Thursday, uh, I thought we'd we kind of talk through uh, the items that we will be uh, preparing. I myself am going to be brining a, uh, a turkey breast, mm. basically applying an herb rub to it. And then uh, for the first time ever, I will be wrapping this turkey breast in bacon. Oh, damn. Oh, so you didn't mention that when we were talking about this in pre-production. No, I wanted I want to lay it on that. you live. Yes. Lay it on you live, brother. <laughs> Oh, good Lord. After you said that, I might need a cigarette. I, that sounds delightful. Oh, goodness. And, oh. and two, two things I'm wondering will be at play there. So since I'll be brining the, the meat, it will be, of course, uh, you know, keeping it, it moi- not moisturized, but tenderized. You know what I mean? And, and I'm wondering as the bacon is cooking and that fat is dripping off the bacon, if that's just going to get soaked right up by the meats. And Oh, it will. Be, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I, I'm looking so, forward to it. So I've actually, and I want to try this. I might try this this year because I, I actually do have some bacon in the fridge that mm-hmm. I should use for something. But I have heard of of when you when you bake your turkey, mm-hmm. that you 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 basically take the like a pound of bacon essentially and just drape it over the breasts, and ah, that that helps okay. keep it moist and also the bacon bacon cooks on it and you kind of get all that all that delightful juices and fat and just makes magic my mouth is watering uncontrollably <laughs> right now <laughs> and did i mention i'd be grilling it so i'll be I'm grilling like, this. i'm like hooch from the movie right now i'm just <laughs> drooling on my desk oh my gosh nice nice yeah so that's that sounds delightful now the funny thing is so you're doing that mm-hmm. and that what i i laughed because when you first said that you're going to grill your turkey I'm thinking about a turkey and you're like, oh, no, it's a seven pound turkey breast. OK, well, this would be impossible for us because my wife always buys like the largest turkey she can find. <laughs> I the, swear to God, the death star have, of turkeys. We have Birdzilla show up every single every single year. And she she'll say the same thing. Oh, my gosh, that's a big bird. I'm like, no kidding. That's what 25, 27 pounds worth of turkey is like. They had to like have three people gun this thing down. Like there was no wrangling it into the slaughterhouse. Like they had to release this one and like take it out with a bazooka. Oh my gosh! So yeah, we've we've got that, and it, and it's always interesting because then you have to cook other stuff, mm. and I'm like, we well, you can't cook anything around this. Like this takes up the entire freaking oven. Mm. It's this is it, you know. It's unless you want to unless you want me to go build a fire out back and put it on a spit and sit there and rotate it by hand well, for like go. three hours. Which I mean, I've been drink some bourbon while you're doing it. Well, you get some wild turkey to go along with your turkey. <laughs> gobble, you know, gobble. You know, like gobble, gobble, and then you uh, fall into the fire. And then, well, hey, he had a good run. Uh, so, yeah, so do, we're doing the turkey. We're doing Birdzilla. And then uh, my job for for Thanksgiving has been for many years mashed potatoes because I oh, love nice. And I've my problem is, though, I love me some smashed potatoes. Like, I don't like my potatoes perfectly smooth, and I actually like putting the skin in. Mm. I like I like like old school kind of clumpy mashed like smashed potatoes, mm-hmm. lots mm-hmm. of butter, lots of sour cream, salt, pepper, garlic, the whole deal. Unfortunately, I now have to 
make concessions for other people mm -hmm. uh, because we always have a lot of companies. So there's no skin on the mat on the smashed potatoes. They're much more mashed than smashed now because everyone likes their mashed potatoes smooth. I was like, what are you <laughs> figuring out like 90? You don't have teeth. You can't chew like a couple of chunks of potato. My I potato. Mean, gosh. So we've got that. And then uh, the one thing that I do look forward to every single year is uh, my wife makes a killer apple sausage stuffing, which is delightful. It's like a meal unto itself. Like I will I will actually have we because we always run out of turkey, even though we have like these gigantic turkeys. We always seem to run out of turkey because we'll, my wife just gives it away. I'm like, you don't want to understand the concept of leftovers. I want that. <laughs> so. But but when you get towards the end of the Thanksgiving uh, leftovers, I will I will just have a plate like that's half stuffing and half mashed potatoes. And that's it. I don't need any turkey anymore. Mm -hmm. Just just give me the stuffing, the mashed potatoes and then save me a little room for the cranberry sauce. And by the way, so I have to ask you this. Are you doing cranberry sauce, sir? Uh, I believe. Yes. Okay, now I'm not preparing anything with it, so that that is, uh, I, I think my wife's taking care of that. So yes. now, do you do fresh cranberry sauce? Uh, I think we just do it out of a can. I think as the Lord intended it to be. <laughs> okay, just like oh, what? this is going to be one of two ways. Either he's going to blast me for this, or he's going to scream hallelujah. No, 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 oh, no, no. See gosh. the. This this whole thing of like, oh, no, the fresh cranberry sauce, it's this and that. It's like, no, 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 no. I want some can marks on that. I want some can marks. I want to see it. I want to watch it slide out of the can. Oh. And then I am thankful for that. Oh, that's what mm -hmm. I want. I want to be some can marks. I'm Oh, I'm almost drooling as much now thinking about that as the bacon <laughs> on the turkey. Love these cranberry sauce and the thing is you can buy cranberry sauce all year round which is a glorious thing in and of itself but it just tastes better in november that's just mm -hmm. my contention i might be wrong but oh, oh loving it oh it's gonna be great so yeah uh that's that's the main dishes and then of course we've got you know other assorted things that people are bringing but th that's kind of like the those are the the three main events for me nice. maybe some veggies will work their way in there i don't know we'll see you know maybe for but that's a that is the the to sum total of the chicanery for me. Although the funny part is, so here here's the real funny part: we aren't even going to be able to cook our bird at our house. Oh, really? Yes. So the house that we are currently renting, because uh, I think we t I think I mentioned this in the show, like we moved a few months ago, mm -hmm. and so the oven that we have, really really good oven, but it's not big enough for this freaking Turkzilla <laughs> that we have. <laughs> So we've got our old house that we are in the process of selling, but we've got it until like December 10th. So we had to bring the other thing is like that we had to bring the turkey over to our old house and put it in the in the refrigerator because there was no room in our refrigerator oh, to gosh. put like a 27 pound turkey. So we've got it over there. So I'm going to have to like run back and forth between houses, you know, like a like a like a 10 minute, you know, five to eight minute drive back and forth to the house to go and, and cook the turkey a different house. At this point, should we back. cue the Benny Hill music? Oh, it's going to be, a, it's going to, you know that shenanigans will ensue. It's going to be glorious. I'm going to be in trouble. Oh my gosh. Uh, it's it's going to be, it's going to be bad, but you know what? It'll be fine because by like three, four o'clock, everyone's going to be full. Everyone's going to be drunk. Maybe some people will be fist fighting on the front lawn. It'll be great. It'll be <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Jeez. 
And the neighbors will be doing the same thing because we got we live in a na- we're in a neighborhood now, and I can tell like there's two three families living around us that I'm like, oh, it's gonna happen. I <laughs> this powder keg. All it's gonna take is some turkey and some alcohol. Oh, it's and people are gonna be laying bets. I'm putting fifty on Grandma. Look at her. Oh yeah, she's, she's nasty. <laughs> she's looking ornery. <laughs> she's got that purse. She's got a knife in that purse. You know she's got it. She'll cut you. She'll cut you. <laughs> Oh, oh that uncle gosh. right there, you know he's got a prison shank on him. Just look at him. Just look at him. Oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. I don't know what oh, kind of crazy wait. Thanksgiving you put on, sir. Jeez, Louise. Oh, no, I'm talking about other families. Like, oh. ours will be fairly straight ahead. But, I mean, I'm, right. I'm sure there's going to be a couple fist fights in our neighborhood. It's going to be right. great. It's going to be right. great. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Luckily, I'm st- I've stocked up with some bandages so I can act like the cut man when I, go, I go around. Band-Aids. <laughs> it all comes down to the Band-Aids, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> All right. Well, on that culinary and somewhat, um, you know, saliva inducing note, and, that, and my good. friends, is the Weekend Geek. As well as disturbing as well. But thank you, sir, for once again scouring the interwebs and bringing us all the news that's fit to, well, print, say something. Anyways, something. 30 minutes on- or less, baby. 30 minutes or less. Yeah. What are you, like, Domino's? We're over 30 minutes here. I want it for Where's my refund? <laughs> So our our main topic for today mm-hmm. is uh, our album one on one, which we did this before with. It was an all Canadian uh, album one on one with Rush and Bare Naked Ladies. We went a little bit different direction. So Tim was the first to pick his out. Actually, you picked out. You went first last time too. If I don't, if I'm not remembering uh, incorrectly, uh, uh, I think I did. Yeah, because you're just wait. You're you're farther ahead of the curve than I am. Let's just lay that out there. Well, so, I mean, and, and and not to toot my own horn, but this this was you know, you and I went through a, a little bit of a brainstorming session with with ideas, you know, different. L- let's face it. Once we got through BSG, yeah, we were dry on. We ideas had to like, sink our teeth hosed. into other things. So. <laughs> Now what do we talk about? Crap. And so this kind of came up because you and I, while we have known each other, as you mentioned, for well over two decades, have different musical tastes. And and I was thinking about that that way back when and just said, hey, what a concept it would be if we just kind of picked from our respective backgrounds uh, different albums that we enjoyed and, you know, kind of assign them to one another and talk through them. And, you know, some may, you know, land hard and others may be enjoyable, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It worked out that last time it was kind of a love fest with the uh, Bare Naked Ladies and Rush. We, we had a very nice experience, I think, on both sides uh, listening to those respective albums. And so this time, uh, you know, there, there wasn't nearly enough uh, curmudgeon. So we decided to go <laughs> to go a little bit in a different direction. And, yeah. Uh, Go off the beaten path. So, Yes. So this time around, Tim has selected Stone Temple Pilots' fourth studio album, uh, creatively entitled Number Four, for me to listen to. And I said, Might okay. Be Jordy LaForge, number four. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> no, I think he'd probably be fifth. I think he's. I think he might actually be behind Dr. Crusher. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's I just my just wondering thought. who number four on, on the Enterprise would be. But anyways, go ahead. And I said, well, Tim, you, you listen to Aerosmith's Nine Lives album. Now, the funny part is I was trying to match the year. So Stone <laughs> Temple Pilots number four came out in 99 <laughs> and uh, Nine Lives came out in 97, though. But right. it right. works out because these are both very big bands. I I'd, I'd mm-hmm. had no I didn't realize how the sheer number of albums Stone Temple Pilots had shifted in their time together as a band. They sold a 
butt ton of albums. Mm -hmm. And Aerosmith, of course, you know, American rock royalty. Both of these albums, though, even though they were released at a time where you could still say the band was somewhat in their prime. Aerosmith was kind of on their second or third prime at this point, (laughs) depending on how you look at it, Mm -hmm. Uh, which is I mean, hey, if you're a band that you can have more than one prime, that's pretty damn good. However, these albums were not exactly welcomed with open arms. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, They were they were sort of like, eh, okay, well, it's an album. And, and some mixed reviews on them. So I think it matched up pretty well with, with bands that people like, oh, yeah, to albums that are people like, oh, yeah, they did do that album, right? Oh, yeah, huh, that was a thing. So uh, it, it was kind of an interesting contrast. So now, why did you decide to choose uh, number four for me to listen to? So uh, this this album was one that I listened to a lot when I think, uh, so it came out in 99. So I think we were still sharing an apartment before we kind of uh, went our separate ways. And mm. uh, I was get, doing a lot of- yourself a real job. <laughs> well- <laughs> And and I, I was doing a lot of driving. I was driving from basically southeast uh, New Hampshire uh, to basically southwest New Hampshire every day. That was a uh, way out there, yeah. For for my work, and so there was a lot of drive time, a lot of time to listen to music. And this was a staple of my listening on the way home. I, I was a big fan of Stone Temple Pilots overall throughout the '90s. Really enjoyed uh, Scott Weiland's voice and just the the band overall. And and this was. This was an album that I just felt captured, um, you know, it's it's not what, what I would call one of their classics or, you know, this being the apex of what they did. But this was a, in my mind, a, a well-balanced album where it had a lot of energy, a lot of good rock to it. Really, uh, a couple songs really highlighted the vocals well. The last song on it, which will, I, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll talk songs and that sort of thing, but I really enjoyed the last song on it they called Atlanta, which... For a second, I had to check and make sure that you know Jim Morrison wasn't guest guest spotting on this one, but mm-hmm. um, but it, it it was just weirdly well done. So so I picked it because it holds a special place in my heart. From you know just uh, it, it was kind of the beginning of of my professional career. I uh, just gotten you know I just finished with with college and was getting out and working on my own and and doing a lot of driving to uh, you know basically to to get to and from work and it was kind of the soundtrack for that part of my life and so I uh, wanted to get your thoughts on it and see if it was uh, something you would dig fair enough and, fair and enough you, sir why did you uh why did you assign me nine lives well uh, partly it was I wanted to match up with what you were doing and I after doing like bare minimum research when you first suggested it what I did realize kind of was like oh this is not the album, like the have to have essential album from Stone Temple Pilots that mm-hmm. every fan would would say, yeah, listen to that one. But it obviously had meaning to you. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, OK, so what what album kind of fits that for me? Yeah. And yeah. Nine Lives was an album that I just really took to when it came out mm-hmm. and it was so different and it felt like it was there was a lot of musical layers to it. And there's kind of a good reason for that in the production story of the album. But there was several songs on there that I really liked. And, you know, they it, it didn't have a plethora of hits. Like, it really has one song, which is Pink, that became a big hit for the band. Everything else was just never quite took. But I there were several songs on there that I liked. And, of course, mm-hmm. I was also in the process. I, I was I was trying to write, like, a, like, this kind of short story novella thing that I had in my head. And I was... 
I was kind of using a lot of the songs off of this as like a soundtrack in my head as I was writing. And it never went to anything. It never came to anything because it was basically like me writing college angsty stuff that it's like, ah, yeah, that's great. Um, No one wants to watch that. So... So I I knew I knew the album fairly intimately from just listening to it so many times, and it kind of matched up with number four because I'm like, mm. oh, big bands that albums that fans are probably not going to put this in their top five. Mm-hmm. But if if you if you catches you at the right time, it can really have an impact on you personally. It becomes kind of a favorite, even though it's everyone everyone else. So like, really, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. sort of thing. So I figured I would I would return the favor. Uh, with my own perhaps uh, slightly less loved album. All right. Very nice. All right. So that was a little on the why. Should we run through the lineups real quick and then jump into the overall thoughts? Well, yeah. I mean, the lineups are pretty easy on this because it's Mm -hmm. both bands with their, you know, their kind of essential lineup. Like this is is the classic Aerosmith lineup. This is, you know, after they got back together uh, with Permanent Vacation in the late 80s, this is the lineup that they had, you know, starting out. This is now back to the classic Aerosmith lineup. So you got Steven Tyler on vocals, Joe Perry on on lead guitar and vocals. You got uh, uh, Brad Whitford on rhythm guitar. You got Tom Hamilton on bass, Joey Kramer on drums. Mm-hmm. Pretty cut and dry. Yeah. And on STP side, you got Scott Weiland on lead vocals, Dean DeLeo on bass, Robert DeLeo on guitar, and Eric Kretz on drums. I do love when I was reading, when I was doing some background uh, research on Stone Temple Pilots, well, uh, uh, Dean is the guitar player, right? Oh, you know what? I think I got it reversed. I think you're right. Dean is the guitar player and Robert is the bass player. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Because he's the older older of the two DeLeo boys. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love how the band was called Swing when they, they recruited him to play. But his one thing was, I will not play in a band named Swing. And that's when they changed their name to Mighty Joe Young, which then they had to get rid of because there was already someone who had that name. And then you get Stone Temple Pilots. But I just love the fact that like they were searching for a guitar player and they couldn't find one. They mm-hmm. went to the, and it was like and then the bass player is sort of like, oh, we could ask my brother. Like it wasn't even a first thought for him. It was a second thought was, oh, yeah, my brother, because he's <laughs> playing music. And they're that desperate that even the guy who already had like he had a steady gig, like steady job. And he's going to come back and he's like, I ain't playing with you people. And they're so desperate for a guitar player. They're like, sure, we'll change the name of the band. Whatever, dude. Just <laughs> please. Sold. I thought it, and at the same time, like, yeah, I've, I've kind of been there as a musician. Mm. I know exactly what that feeling is like. Like, you'll yeah. do whatever. Like, yeah. sure. And I got to buy you beer at every gig. Okay, fine. Just make it pass. <laughs> you know, whatever. Whatever we got to do. Oh, that's funny. That was great. That's yeah. That's funny. One interesting note on number four, I just want to mention too, because you mentioned how it's kind of like a not, you know, highly ranked or or maybe referenced album. I didn't realize this, but um, there was a lack of promotion of this album. Mm-hmm. Scott Weiland, sadly, he was saddled with a lot of you know extracurricular problems outside of the band, and he <laughs> that's was apparently a, that's a nice way to put it. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was apparently serving a one year jail sentence shortly before the album's release. So it's a little bit hard to promote an album when your lead singer is nowhere to be found. Yeah. I did end up going to see, God, I'm trying to remember where it was. It was in Massachusetts, but I I think I saw, and I say, I think because sadly at age 46, I'm, I'm struggling to remember some of these things, but I I did go with, with a good friend to see uh, them perform. I think when this was the primary album that was released 
Uh, hmm. And the opening band, believe it or not, was Disturbed. So this was huh. before Disturbed became huge. I mean, they they were kind of on the upswing, but yeah, it was it was uh, gosh somewhere. It wasn't in Boston. It was kind of on the four. Like, I'm, I'm forgetting what's the highway that kind of curves around the 495? state. Yeah, four ninety five. Yeah, four ninety. I think it was somewhere along there. I just can't remember the name of the city. So, oh, is it uh, Worcester? Might have been. Might have been. You go to see him down to Centrum, Bob. Ah, yeah, uh, yeah dollar twenty five, Bob. <laughs> So, <laughs> which actually is funny because I, the one time that I saw Aerosmith live was at the Worcester Centrum. Really? Oh my yep, gosh! And the opening band was Silverchair. Okay. All right. Yeah, it was interesting. It was yeah. it was a good show. I mean, it was, but it was interesting. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think it might have even been this album when they were touring. Now that I think about it. Oh, interesting. Because it would have been right around that time. Or maybe a little bit after, huh. yeah. But it was it was it was right around this time, so the album couldn't have been that. A lot of been very that interesting old. parallels with our choices, sir. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Overall thoughts, sir. Overall thoughts. Um, Tim, first, why did you do this to me? <laughs> well, no, no. And the thing is, like, <laughs> I can see where people are coming from with all the reviews. Like, I, mm-hmm. I get it. Mm-hmm. I, I think one of the reviews, I, and I wish I had actually gotten a link. I, I'll, I'll try and find it, but I probably won't. But one of the reviews, I think nailed it where it's it basically sounds like they were trying to mix all the new alt metal trends that were happening with what they did and kind of put this new thing together like they were trying to ride some trends Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that also happened you could see some of that with aerosmith's album as well which is kind of funny as well but yeah, I totally get that because there's times I'm listening to this and I'm like, oh, that kind of sounds a bit like, you know, like, oh, there's a, a little bit that kind of sounds like Disturbed or here's a little Godsmack or here's a little, you know, some of those bands that were came out after Stone Temple Pilots had really gotten big. But now they're kind of copying some of the, the trends and some of the little bits. But it's also kind of funny because there's times when it sounds like grunge's greatest hits. Mm. You know, like I could definitely hear some Allison Chains mm-hmm. uh, vocally from from Wyland, which is sort of like, really? Like, dude, you, you got your own voice, which is another thing that I'll get into in a second. But like, why are you trying to cop? Uh, what was it? What was that guy? Uh, Lane Staley mm-hmm. or uh, why are you trying to cop him? Number one, why are you trying to cop him? Because you can't sing like him because mm-hmm. nobody can mm-hmm. just, you know, there's, there's certain singers that you just shouldn't try to sing like because you're going to fail miserably. Like Freddie Mercury, Chris Cornell, uh, and and, uh, and Staley there from Alice in Chains. Like, just don't. Just don't. You are going to embarrass yourself. You got to go the other direction because nobody can sing like them. But then there's also, uh, you know, a little bit of Nirvana, a little bit of Soundgarden, which was kind of like, okay, I guess some of the grunge stuff is is kind of universal. But there's some stuff that I was like, that sounds like a blatant ripoff. Hmm. So it kind of it felt to me like, yeah, it was sort of like a hodgepodge. Now, the funny thing is, the first time I was listening to this album, I put it on when I went to the gym because I, I was like, ah, crud. I, number one, I've, I'm, I'm horrible at finding workout music because my my natural bent for music is like soul and funk and, and jazz. And then none of those are good for lifting. <laughs> 
None of those. None of those. You don't want to be listened to at the car wash. And, you know, you know, the Claude, give me a little mumbles while I'm lifting 500 pounds. Yeah. Like George Clinton, the P-Funk All-Stars aren't going to really get you pumped, you know, to, to bang oh, out some reps. God. So I was like, OK, well, I've got like a 45, 60 minute routine, mm-hmm. you know, of, of workout here. All right. Let me put on. Let's put on this album because I know that I'll have uninterrupted time to listen to it. So I was like, mm-hmm. all right, good time to, to kind of listen and just get overall opinions as I'm just doing stuff. It's a really good album to lift to. Mm-hmm. It's got some nice heavy parts to it. It's got some uh, some nice riffs and not to bash too heavily because I, I do kind of have a little bit of an affinity for Stone Temple Pilots. I remember when they first came out and how it was like, whoa, this is kind of cool. But it was never like my band, you know, like mm-hmm. I knew a bu- I knew like you. I knew a couple other guys who that was their band, you know, mm-hmm. and um, never was my band, man. But it's easy to listen to and not think about. You know, like if you if you ever watched High Fidelity with John Cusack, where he's like, I just want something that I don't have to think about when he's thinking about, you know, talking about music to uh, to play in the shop. Yeah. Yeah. And it is it's music. You don't really have to sit there and listen to to get it like you can just you can hear it and you can be doing something and it's great. There's another thing was there's a lot of Sunday references on this. Like it Mm -hmm. seemed like every other line while in, you know, Sunday in that, you know. (laughs) sort of thing and i'm like what the heck did like he just learned this that there was that day of the week for this album i mean did he think there was six days before this and all of a sudden he's like well man there's a sunday i'm gonna work that into every song now Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. after a while i was like the hell is up with this like i Mm -hmm. i'm pretty sure that he was still on you know he was still on the smack at this point so i don't think it was a religious thing i just he liked the word apparently yeah the the funny part is you do get all of the it is a showcase of all the of the scott weiland uh, vocal cadences Mm -hmm. because he does have at least two or three that I could identify and pick out because he does kind of have that and you're like, yeah, whatever. Okay. I can't understand what the crap you're saying. You could be mumbling. You could be like shouting out a cookie recipe. No idea. Wait, you didn't like STP's version of mumbles? No, I'm sorry. And and then he kind of has that (laughs) and I'm like, okay, whatever. But it's, but they're all there. Mm -hmm. So if you're, if you're into that sort of thing, He's got that for you. A lot of lyrics that I could not understand unless I had a heroin to English dictionary handy, and I didn't. (laughs) The thing is, I I do appreciate enunciation Mm -hmm. from singers a lot more than I used to. And now listening to it, I'm like, I don't want to have to look up all the lyrics, dude. Like, at least give me a vague hint of what you're saying, Mm -hmm. you know, and part of it is just the way that he sings. And it's whatever like i'm and i'm sure the lyrics aren't all that deep anyways because there's a couple when i'm i'm listening where i think he said like alligator sister at some point and i'm like like i'm driving i'm driving around i'm like and i literally said out loud what the crap is an alligator sister (laughs) the hell are you talking about oh nice like how did they not put him into rehab as soon as he brought that lyric to rehearsal like no sorry scott get in the car get in the car Get, no, not you, Patrick. We're not. No, no, I'm not taking it to McDonald's afterwards. It's right. It's right across the street. Go there now. You're scared. Well, true. That is a kind of the shady McDonald's around here. Yeah, that's right. Well, then get on your moped and go to the good one down the street. 
Just remind him not to walk through the drive through this time. Uh, you don't, I don't even mention that. We don't talk about that anymore. <laughs> um, but I overall, like, it's, it's, a, it's a decent album. It's nothing that I would ever feel like I need to have, you know? Hmm. But I'm saying that now, like, some 20 years after it was released. If I, maybe if I'd listened to this album like you had and I'd already been a fan of the band, sort of like when I listened to Nine Lives, I was already a I was already a fan in a big bad way and yeah. and I could go through their catalog left right and center. So maybe if it had hit me at that time I would have a better appreciation for it now but now I'm like I don't really ever need to listen to this album aside from like gym days. And mm-hmm. then okay, yeah, let me just take out like two or three songs. Uh, like, you know, let me take out Sour Girl. Let me take out Atlanta. I think there was one or once uh, I got you. Let me take let me take those out. And good. Now I've got a solid 25, 30 minutes of lift music, throw in a couple of other STP songs and boom. Hey, perfect. So, yeah, I mean, overall, not too bad. Not too bad. But nothing I'm I'm ever going to confuse with one of the greatest albums ever. Sure. Well, I just want to ask, what did you think of the song Atlanta? Uh, it was good. It was good. It was one of those. Uh, I, I feel like because they did an MTV Unplugged, right? They did. I don't know if it was with this album, though. Well, yeah, but I, I'm just saying I can definitely feel the MTV Unplugged vibe mm. kind of permeate with this. And I, I think it happened. I think it kind of happened for a lot of bands like mid to late 90s after Unplugged was really a thing. And then it became you had a lot of bands who had Unplugged albums that were like some of their biggest hits. Yeah. And some even had like revivals. Like, I mean, my God, Clapton breathed new life into his career for sure. Mm-hmm. Aerosmith. Uh, do their unplugged really mm-hmm. helped their career get back on track um and nirvana's unplugged was like a game changer for them in terms of like being mainstream i mean they were already steadily on the way but then it just it even got bigger after that unplugged yeah um i can definitely feel that influence here because there's a few songs with like hey listen see we can do quiet stuff we can do acoustic like sensitive stuff I'm like yeah okay I, I liked it, but the, the fun. So the note that I have with that one is it it damn near rips off my favorite things. And I'm like, you're like two notes away, Scott. Just just go go in. Just give me the whole thing. Just give me the whole thing. You know. But it, it was it's good. You know, I, I got to admit, like my favorite songs on here are really the the quieter ones. Mm-hmm. Where I, I actually felt like 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 Wyland was actually singing, and not doing Scott Wyland things, mm-hmm. because the dude could sing. Like he actually had a fairly unique voice, and when he chose to actually sing with some enunciation and and care, he could do it. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, he just got caught doing you know the Scott Wyland go to moves. It's like all right, yeah, uh, well, whatever. I mean, yeah, it pays the bills. But yeah, it's probably Sour, Sour Girl and Atlanta are my two favorite songs off of the the album, really. Right. Everything else is just kind of interchangeable for me. Like, oh, yeah, it's kind of heavy. That's kind of cool. But nothing that sticks out. Like those two, I was like, oh, yeah, it's yeah, pretty good. Yeah, it was funny. When when I listened to it along each, like I think more more often than, well, I don't know how to say this. The phrase that I repeat a lot across all these songs is great energy. And I think that kind of speaks to... Mm-hmm what you were saying about its impact on your, your lifting or, or, you know, doing, doing a workout. Mm. Like there is an energy to it. Yeah. Like these songs have drive to them. There there's, 
uh, which one, you know, I mean, Sour Girl is a good one. Um, where is it? I mean, I will say even the softer stuff, it, it, it's not lazy. Yeah. And, and a couple of the reviews I saw, they, they kind of did drop the L word. They dropped the lazy word like, oh, yeah, this is, you know, such a cliche or this and that and the other. I didn't feel that the album was lazy, especially. I felt it was more generic. That's the hmm. way I'd put it, because I don't feel like there was good energy. And I felt like you could get that through the recording. I felt like the recording captured the energy of the band playing together pretty well. Mm-hmm. But the, a lot of the themes and and some of the lyrics, what lyrics I did understand on some of these songs, just very generic. Like, OK, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, gee, another rock band singing about sex. Wow. Who would have thunk it? Yeah. Ain't nobody ever done that one. OK, yeah. you know, and and. You know, I mean, yeah, that's still the thing. And there's a bunch of songs that like that that I like, but they were done in a bit more of an original way. And it just it feels generic more than anything. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't fault them for a lack of effort is not. uh, Well, no, actually, a lack of effort would be it would be a lack of energy. I wouldn't fault them for lack of effort in terms of like really trying to make it somewhat unique. Yeah, I might. I I mean, I did think they, they did a nice job across some of these songs of balancing out the the chaotic and loud and brash and drive with you know like it always seemed like with some of the songs like there was this balance between heavy and light you know there there was a like either the verse was really heavy with a lot of noise and then the chorus would lighten up or vice versa you'd have the verse be kind of light and then the chorus would be really driving yeah yeah i mean they they did a good job in terms of mixing it up to get some basic contrast and Mm -hmm. some dynamics and yeah but at a a certain level like that's nice but this is a band that's you know at this point in their career have been playing together for a long time Mm -hmm. they're on their fourth album they're they're highly regarded as a band and yeah you want to be able to do that like that's kind of that's that should be a given (laughs) that's it's not your first album that i'm like whoa these guys can actually play like no, we know you can play. So the, to me, that's sort of like a baseline. Like, yeah, it should be dynamic. I can, I can see giving credit for that, but I don't. I just don't give them a whole lot of credit for that because it should be like, well, yeah, that's that's what you do. You All know? right. And what, are, what were your overall thoughts on Nine Lives? Now, the funny part here is uh, I will say I, I did give you <laughs> – I didn't go easy on you because you gave me a 42-minute album. I gave you a 62-minute album. And, yeah, what's up uh, with that? Was, it's actually tied with uh, Get a Grip, the previous album hmm. for uh, it was tied for the longest Aerosmith album uh, they'd put out at the time. And then I think they had another album that came out a few years after that that was a little bit longer. But yeah, so 62 minutes uh, worth of music. What were your overall thoughts on that, sir? Overall, it was, uh, you know, I mean, I, I would call it kind of standard Aerosmith fare. Um, mm-hmm. It you know, and several of the songs kind of fit, you know, what I would call the formulaic Aerosmith pop kind of formula. Mm-hmm. But but I've always been, you know, I, I always enjoy their harmonies, um, the way they can harmonize and whether it's mm-hmm. verse or chorus and, and the way they kind of bring that into play uh, has always been really well done. You know, like I thought like Nine Lives, the first track was interesting because I, I definitely got a feel like they were kind of drawing some inspiration now, I know you mentioned STP, like kind of sounded like or did like, like I, I kind of look at those things as as maybe they were inspired by and honoring sort of thing. Like, so mm-hmm. Nine Lives, I kind of felt the very beginning was very I Can't Drive 55-ish. Um, it had a very Sammy Hagar feel to it. 
Um, mm. And and even the way Steven Tyler sings, um, you know, not that he's trying to replicate Sammy in any way, shape or form, but it just had that kind of energy to it. I mean, I thought it was a great, you know, a high energy song and and just just kind of was a good one to open with. But I felt it was it felt kind of inspired by that. You know, jumping down like full circle um, had a a huge kind of you know feel of of Leonard Skinner's Tuesdays Gone. You know, kind of mm. getting to it, I, I immediately. Mm-hmm thought of dazed and confused and <laughs> just that, you know, where, where that song kind of fell in, in, uh, in, in the movie there. Uh, what else? Uh, the second song falling in love, you know, that, that kind of felt like a standard Aerosmith pop song. Um, but again, I, I think that they do a great job of bringing harmonies in on like the bridge and chorus hole in my soul. They, 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 they do have, you know, kind of their formula for the ballads. And so there was, oh, yeah. The harmonies, um, the, the violins were, were great. You know, it was, it was great to see him introduce that. You know, I liked how, how uh, you know, Steven Tyler was kind of talking through the first 30 seconds of that song and, uh, you know, kind of went into it, the, the kind of, you know, sad, sappy sort of thing um, that, that they were, you know, putting forth there. And, and I liked, you know, in that song, like it really had a sense of dramatics and desperation to it, you know, so I, mm-hmm. I feel like they, they did a nice job kind of expressing that emotion in the song. One of, I mean, I won't go, I, I think one of the questions is what's our favorite, so I won't say, but um, really like Taste of India. Um, mm-hmm. Like I, I listened to that a couple of times and I'm like, man, they, they really got a nice texture and theme going with it. Um, love the drums and bass in that song as a great instrumental ending. Um Although I will say the one thing that that definitely kind of hit me, and I think we talked about this when when we just did kind of a general Van Halen overview, was I'm definitely at an age where I think I've outgrown the lyrics a little bit. You know, like like the whole yeah. '80s band. You know, I I need to get the girl and and you know get her in bed sort of thing. It's just like you know, <laughs> it's like I really I'm good. <laughs> Yo, fat. <laughs> you know, it's like you know, kind of the way you were expressing with STP and just not not understanding the lyrics. Um, yeah. Here, it's just like you know, these lyrics aren't doing anything for me. But but I think, mm-hmm. but I can appreciate the music part of it. You know, like I I I think of these things sometimes as like would would this work in a movie or with this? You know, a lot of times we you know where we talk wrestling and stuff like that. A lot of what makes a wrestler who they are is, is the emotion you feel when they're, when their music hits. And, and so mm. I felt like that song had kind of that entrance music vibe to it. It just has a real nice drive and, and real good feel to it. So really mm. enjoyed that. What else? Each song kind of had a different sort of feel like something's got to give had a great guitar intro and it made, I, I remember thinking it, it felt very Van Halen like, you know, it was like part Van Halen, part mm. blues, um, love mm-hmm. the harmonica. I know that that's something that, the, or as Johnny Cash would call it, the harmonica. Um, <laughs> working that in there, uh, very much enjoyed that. And as the album went on, I mean, it it was good. It definitely went from you know the beginning. I really enjoyed the first you know five or so songs, and and it wasn't that I didn't enjoy the tail end, but it it definitely was just kind of either hitting a formula or just kind of trailing off in terms of of energy and and engaging me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Pink was uh, like you mentioned one of their big ones crash i thought was a great one 
you, you know, just did a nice job of bringing energy and, and the tone and the texture of it reflected the title. The, the one called The Farm, I felt it was like Steven Tyler channeling his inner David Lee Roth. It, it, it had kind of a DLR feel to it, the way he was singing. Um, yeah, it's an odd one. It really is. It is. It's, it is. It's, a, it's a, not a terrible song. Like no, it's got no. a it's got a pretty good groove to it. But yeah, it's it's a little odd. Uh, Mr. Tyler's vocal stylings on that one. I'll, I'll grant you that. Indeed. Yeah. Kiss Your Pass Goodbye. I, I wrote Michael Cole, vintage Aerosmith ballad. <laughs> so, Ouch. Uh, well, no, it, it, it doesn't mean it was bad, but it's just like there's just like these beats that they always hit, you know, when it yeah. comes to certain mm-hmm. ballads they do. And, you know, hey, if the formula works, why fix it? But it's also a formula, you know, so it's like it just kind of mm-hmm. feels like I, I know what's coming next. You know what I mean? Like I know there's going to be dramatics and there's going to be Tyler singing his heart out and it's everything I was expecting it to be, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, yeah. Attitude adjustment, you know, again, had some good energy, you know, I like Joe Perry's guitar and then fallen angels was again, typical Aerosmith ballad. So I, yeah. you know, it, it was good. I mean, I don't know that I, dislike uh, it's not that i dislike it i just don't know you know unlike bare naked ladies last time i think this one i enjoyed it but there were just some parts of it that just felt kind of repetitious and and almost like you know i've i've kind of been there done that with with aerosmith but that yeah. also could be a factor of them played for 40 years <laughs> you know it's like there there comes a yeah. point where there's certain patterns that you just you just emulate because of that's your style you know that's mm-hmm. that's who you are so yeah, so so I, I would say the first half really I, I got into it and, and really enjoyed it. And then the last half just kind of felt a little and, and you know, that's sometimes how these records go. You know, they 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 tend to put the stuff that maybe isn't as engaging or is a little more experimental kind of on on the backside. And and mm. so um so I kind of felt that like that's where they were a little bit there. Yeah. So yeah, no, I mean, good suggestion. Uh, it, it was, uh, you know, I have listened to Get a Grip. I've listened to other Aerosmith albums. This one, for some reason, just never seemed to make it onto my radar. So it was, it was good to listen to it. And uh, yeah, and, and just kind of revisit those those Aerosmith sort of themes and feelings that I remember from from listening to prior albums. Yeah. The funny part for me is I actually really dig kind of the middle section of this album. Basically from really hole in my soul to pink. Okay. With maybe taking out the farm. Like, ah, you know, but the, I think the the kind of the middle of this album is where I lived. Mm. You know, like the mm-hmm. first two songs, like, yeah, and the last two songs. Honestly, they could have ditched Fallen Angels. They could have taken out uh if they had to take out a ballad, because I feel like it probably had one ballad too many. Yeah. Yeah. Fallen Angels would definitely been my pick. Like, yeah, just that doesn't need to be there. It really doesn't. Attitude adjustment. Yeah, it's pretty cool. But, you know, I, I, yeah, meh, you know, it is kind of funny when you when you look at these albums that are not really highly regarded. They both have huge singles on them. Though. I, I believe if I'm if I wasn't misreading it, Sour Girl is actually Stone Temple Pilots best single, like best selling single. Hmm. Really? Because I would have thought Interstate Love Song was their biggest. I, I felt that well, was... Well, I think it's because at that point they were big enough that they were hitting more of a mainstream audience. Uh, okay. But anyways, I, I could be wrong on that. I'll see if I can double check my math. But it was a very big single for him. And Pink was a, a huge single for, for Aerosmith, which was funny because it was actually the second single that they released off there. Falling in Love is so uh, is Hard on the Knees was the first single, which I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Mm, I'm not really sure what the thought there was, but okay. 
but it is kind of a prototypical Aerosmith song. So it's like, oh, well, maybe we'll catch something there. You know, it's no uh, it's no dude looks like a lady, but meh, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. So uh, what would you say is your favorite song on Nine Lives? Well, if you couldn't tell from me blathering on about it, um, I, I really like Taste of India. I, mm-hmm. I thought that one brought the energy. Um, I, you know, being a bass player, I, I really kind of gravitated toward the drum and bass feel that that seems to be uh, emphasized in it. I thought it had a great texture and thematic that went with the title. You, you know, I think they incorporated, you know, elements of, of what you would think of as, as, you know, maybe Indian music into what they were doing and, you know, wove it into a rock song that I thought really had a, a good drive to it. You know, not picking this one necessarily because of the lyrics, but it was just more just <laughs> musically. I, I really enjoyed it. You know, I think, yeah. I think musically it, it, it really just had a, a and, and that's really, you know, that that's kind of the theme for me with 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 number four with from Stone Temple Pilots was was the drive and the energy of it. Like that's mm-hmm. sitting in a car on a long drive, you know, especially at the end of a work day. And, you know, not that you're battling to stay awake because, I mean, you know, it wasn't it, it wasn't like I was that tired, but it just gave me fuel for what was like, you know, a 45, 50 minute drive from where I worked to where I was living. And, and of course put me in the frame of mind cause I was living, I was sharing an apartment with you, sir. So I had to get myself amped <laughs> up for what, what awaited me with Madden and, and, and other, you know, Duke Nukem and whatever else you had up your sleeve, uh, that you'd been practicing that afternoon. So that's true. I was usually lying in wait. <laughs> So, so that, you know, that's kind of the big thing for, for, for me with, with rock is just, you know, the, you know, certainly if you, if you can hit the trifecta with lyrics and music and just, you know, uh, dynamics, then, you know, I'm, I'm sold on it. Th- this one had definitely the, the, the dynamics and the music to it. Um, and, and I really enjoyed it. So yeah, I, I would go taste of India. What about you, sir? Well, first of all, I just wanted to make a quick comment on that. So taste of India is a good choice because there is a lot of, uh, Indian, music flavor throughout the album yeah and yeah. to the point where the 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 previous title for the album was called vindaloo ah, and then after they after they finished the song nine lives they thought that was actually a better title mm-hmm. uh and also considering some of the excursions uh that they had in making the album because when they made the album i guess they, they began working with glenn ballard who was the producer and kind of co-songwriter with alanis morissette on jagged little pill oh okay and they started working with him, and he also worked on uh, did did great work on uh, on Jagged Little Pill, and then after that became a bit reviled for trying to take bands in directions that the fans were like, no, we don't like that because he also worked with Dave Matthews hmm. when they were doing uh, Every Day, which is oh. one of the least favorite for DMB fans. That is one of their uh, at least uh, maybe it's changed, but at the time. I remember that being reviled almost universally by a lot of Dave Matthews band fans. Oh, interesting. Um, And then he also worked with Aerosmith and it, it didn't quite take, I think they took some of what he did and he worked on a few of these songs and then they, they started working different directions. But one of the things that was very odd about this was Joey Kramer was not present for a lot of the early recording sessions. Hmm. He was, he was having a very tough time emotionally uh, mourning uh, the death of his father, which had happened a couple of years before. And was still having a really tough time and, and could not be with the band. Was still working through a lot of stuff. So they actually brought in another drummer and he was tracking with them. And at, at some point it's like, oh, the band's going to break up because they're, they've brought in a new drummer. They're switching things around. 
And eventually he was able to come, Joey Kramer was able to come back. And instead of having him kind of, okay, well, just record what this guy played, they basically just started the songs from scratch and completely redid it. So it, it was this kind of, it was a real snake bitten kind of journey to get to the, fin- the finished product. Oh, interesting. Uh, and so to your question, for me, favorite song off of number four, I'd probably have to go Sour Girl. I mean, Atlanta's good. If I had to pick one of the two, I'd probably I'd probably go Sour Girl because I feel like it is it's probably the best example of almost like their uh, Black Crow's Talks to Angels song. Mm-hmm. Like it's probably the most, uh, you know, kind of tender, emotional you know, song that they they wrote and, and you know, probably was never to be duplicated. And uh, the, the shame for someone for a band like Black Crow's is that was off their first album. And uh, yeah, never quite caught that again. Yeah. Yeah, but then there was a there's so the funny part is uh it makes me think of Stephen King and his book on writing, where he talked about you know the stand and how it's you know one of his his fans you know regarded as one of his best works and he's is, is a little weird and he's writing this in like early two thousands he says it's kind of weird to to realize that most of your fans think you did your best work like twenty years ago. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's got to sting a bit, yeah. but I'm sure the royalty checks make it a little bit easier. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'd probably go with Sour Girl as my favorite. All right. Very nice. What was your least favorite song on Nine Lives? Uh, I'm actually going to go with Ain't That a Bizotch. Oh, see, that's actually one of my favorite songs off of there. Really? I thought the intro was odd. I thought Steven Tyler was really straining his vocal range on it. It just, I, I don't know. I didn't like it. It was a very oddly styled song, and uh-huh. it, I just really struggled to engage with it in a way that I could enjoy it. <laughs> so yeah. I was kind of like, I, I, this is a little too, you know, I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong, because as we've discussed other things uh, in, in the past, I am all for artists stretching beyond their borders and trying new things. So it, it's not mm-hmm. that, but I did not feel all the pieces came together in this one for, for me at least. Yeah. And I, I say that because that was in these, in this, you know, kind of never realized story slash movie thing that I had in my head as a college kid who thought I knew what angst was. And <laughs> now, now realize you didn't know anything, kid. Angst uh, is my bad back now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually how I put it. My back is a little angsty today. Um, but that was like one of the set. I was like, this is the center piece of the movie. Like there was this whole thing that was going to take place in that. But yeah, it's uh, I mean, it's not my favorite song off of the album, but it would be, you know, it, it'd be in the top five. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So what would you say was your biggest surprise? Off oh, wait, of wait, wait, wait. What was your oh, least wait. favorite? Honest. Oh, my, le- my least favorite. Oh, it's tough for me to actually say because I really do feel like a lot of the other songs were just kind of very generic. Hmm. Um, I would probably have to go. Uh, what is it? Pruno. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Because it, mostly because that felt like they're trying to mix Tool and, and, and Stone Temple Pilots. Like a little bit of that, uh, the the odd sort of feel to the meter. I mean, I know they didn't do anything weird like like Tool does because they right. just were, are weird cats when it comes to time signatures and, and doing weird things rhythmically. But it felt like they were trying to do a little bit of that. And I was like, mm, no, this this don't work. Hmm. It don't work. All right. You know? Yeah. So that would be my least. Okay. What about biggest surprise? Um, I'd probably say Atlanta. Okay. 
it kind of caught me at the end. Like I, 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 I thought it was, I thought it was good. I, at that point I was kind of expecting like, I don't know. I, I wasn't expecting that as the last song. Mm. So it was kind of a pleasant surprise. Yeah. I don't know what, like, and, it, and it's funny because I think both of us had similar experiences with each of these albums, which is why we, we recommended it to the other, but it's funny how your experience doesn't necessarily equate to what other people experience. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, like there's certainly, and, and I think you said this in the beginning, it's something about the point in time of life that you're in and your sensibilities and kind of like what you're thinking and feeling. And the strangest thing, like, like one of the reasons why I gravitate to this, to, to this album once in a while is I remember the first time I heard it, like, I can remember where I was when I heard Atlanta mm. because I was blown away by his voice and just the style of the song from the, from that band. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't feel like a standard Stone Temple Pilot song. You know what I mean? No, no. At a couple times of this album, they do a fair job of impersonating a, a little bit of a country-ish band, but not mm -hmm. not a great country band, but yeah. like a, a a country band you'd walk into in in like a dive bar. You know that you're not paying a cover to see them. They're there. They're getting paid. You know, in beer or whatever. Like that sort of country band, which is, I mean, that's not really a knock on them because that's not who they are. Mm -hmm. So for them to be able to to kind of stretch in that area is cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I I know what you're saying. Like you, there there are so, certain things that get etched into your mind because because they then, hit you a certain way. You know. Yeah, and it's well, and it, it, like it, it hits you at that time in a certain way, and then it just crystallizes, and it's mm. just there forever. And you're like, I can't really, I can't take you there because the only place that that still exists is in my head. Yeah. Yeah. All of that, everything has changed since then. You know, but I still have this moment that's like hermetically sealed in my brain mm -hmm. of this thing. Yeah. No, I totally get it. Totally get it. Yeah. Uh, I think my biggest surprise. Let me see. What did I put? Oh, great. I didn't put anything down. Um, <laughs> well, Nothing surprised you. You're I like, try to make yeah. notes so I'm not doing stuff like this while we're talking on the fly. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, I think I got to go with something's got to give. I, I, mm. I just thought it was an interesting you know, I, I love the intro to it guitar wise. I thought it had great energy. I love, you know, when Steven Tyler works the harmonica in just, just gives it a nice kind of bluesy feel. And, uh, I just thought it was, was a really, you know, well done song that, you know, that wasn't a hit off the album, but it was either that or full circle. Like I really thought full, full mm -hmm. circle was kind of funny because I, in my notes, I wrote, it starts out sounding like a Leonard Skinner, you know, Tuesday's gone kind of song. They do the typical Aerosmith harmonization, but then I felt like it's it was like sliding into an Irish drinking song. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. <laughs> so totally. I'm like, I'm like, you oh, this is interesting. Can... A little Leonard Skinner with a little Irish in it. So that is totally a lift up your glass and you're swinging it around. And if you if you haven't if you haven't taken enough Guinness out of it, you're sloshing it onto the people next to you, exactly. but they don't notice because yes. they're plowed yes. and everyone's just sweaty. Mm -hmm. And it's back in the day when you could still smoke in bars, so no one can hardly anyone can breathe, and so you just like. And, oh yeah, I mean you're shortening your life with every breath that you take of secondhand smoke, mm -hmm. and somehow you're getting like third hand smoke, like it's going from one <laughs> lung into the other, and then it comes out. Oh yeah, you you wake up in the morning, you're like, did I take up smoking last night? Because I feel like I've I feel like a carton of Marlboro Reds now live inside of my lungs, mm -hmm. and I might cough up a butt at some point. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah, that is probably my favorite song off okay. the album. This full circle. Yeah, I'll, I'll kind of go with both of those as my biggest surprise. I I just think it it was just a nice 
weaving of of different styles in and and just had their own kind of unique flavor to them and and just thought it was you know just mm-hmm. enjoyable to listen to so yeah i'll 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 be indecisive and not pick one but just say full circle and something's got to give i'll allow it all right so on a scale of one to five would you recommend aerosmith's nine lives to a friend uh with one being no recommendation and five being a high recommendation yes i'm actually going to go middle of the road three on this one i enjoyed it but it's something that I would recommend uh, if they're looking to kill some time and want to hear Aerosmith just in general. I don't know that it's representative of Aerosmith, though. I feel like it's a little bit, you know, them kind of stretching outside of, you know, a little bit of them stretching outside of their comfort zone. But it's got a lot of kind of, as Michael Cole would say, vintage Aerosmith in terms of the ballads. And and there was mm-hmm. a lot of ballads on this one, too. There was like three or four, I thought. So. So yeah, so I, I would go middle of the road three on this one. I, I I don't think it's one that I would not recommend, but it, it's also something that it would I'd have to go deep recommending it to someone. Yeah, this is this was kind of the the third coming or going, however you want to put it, of Aerosmith, yeah. where of course the you know seventies Aerosmith toys in the attic, all of that. That was you know that's vintage, vintage, vintage. Aerosmith, you know, walk this way, sweet emotion, dream on, can't beat it, can't beat it. Before Steven Tyler blew out his voice the first time. Yeah. And then you have the comeback Aerosmith, which is, you know, permanent vacation and pump, kind of followed by somewhere, somewhere in there they did unplugged. And then you have this third kind of gasp of, of Aerosmith after Armageddon. Mm-hmm. And you have, don't want to miss a thing. Right. You know? Right. And uh, so they got that song and then you have Get a Grip, which which had a couple of really big songs on it because, of course, they had uh, they had the videos with Liv Tyler and uh, Alicia Silverstone. Right, they had them in like right. two of the videos. That was huge. And I mean, and and, you know, it's not just about that, but to go back to Stone Temple Pilots, they attribute a lot of Sour Girls commercial success to the fact that Sarah Michelle Gellar was in the video. At that time, like MTV was still kind of a thing. Whereas now, I mean, people are like, oh, MTV, that's where they have the real world marathons. Like, yeah, and they used to have music. So, um, you know, that didn't hurt. And then this kind of came on the heels of Get a Grip. So then it's sort of like the slide downward, you know, and Pink was I'm pretty sure Pink is their last commercial single Mm -hmm. that made you know, any kind of huge noise. I'm sure they have other stuff that you can say, oh, well, that, that topped the chart for like a week. Oh, that's yeah. great. But, you know, Pink was a chart topper for for multiple weeks. It was huge and all that. So, yeah, but I, yeah, I can, I can definitely understand. I can definitely understand that recommendation. Totally. Mm. How about you, sir? Uh, one to five. What is your recommendation? I'm going to, I'm going to give two recommendations. Uh, I'm going to, because I feel that there is, there are two ways that you can, you can listen to this. One is like just a standard, like, do you want some music to listen to? Do you want active listening? Something that you're going to actively listen to. If that, if that's the case, if you want to really listen to it and to, to hear the performance and you want to sit there with your headphones on and focus on the music, I recommend this as like a 1.5. What? Oh my Because, because, oh. Okay, you know what? Forget the half. I'll give it a two because I feel if you were just when, because when I was listening to this just to listen to it and I was really trying to actively listen to it, I got bored real quick. Really? Because it it doesn't take more than a couple songs before you're like, okay, I feel like I've kind of heard all the tricks this pony's got. 
and there was a stretch in between some of those songs where it took a while to get the Sour Girl. And yeah, those songs had some variations, but they kind of wore out their welcome after a while. Like there wasn't a, you know, it's not like an epic guitar solo to really pull you out of it. And after a while, you you kind of get tired of Scott Weiland doing Scott Weiland things if that's not your thing. Now, if I were, if I were to say, is this a great album to kind of like have on in the car as you're driving and you're not necessarily 100% active listening because you're, you know, you're guiding a several ton piece of metal down the road or you're, you're listening to it at the gym or something like that. I would go, I would actually give it probably a four because, you know, there is energy to it. And if you're not really paying attention enough to pick it apart or to notice some of the things that are kind of maybe generic or repetitive, yeah, then it's, it's a, it's a fun listen. It's not like it's there forever. It's 42 minutes long. It's pretty quick and you move on to what's next. Wow. I mean, I guess it averages out to about where you're at. You know, it averages out. To, it's a it's an average listen. It's kind of right down the middle. But so, if, if so what was sorry? What was your recommendation for if you're just driving? I don't think you gave a number. I think you just described. Oh, a, a four. Oh, a I would four. give it a four. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. I mean, for passive listening and kind of just like eh, something on the background, or I I you know I want something kind of heavy to lift, lift to, or or at the gym. Like yeah, you could, you pull out three songs, add in a couple more, boom, you got yourself a nice little, you know, fifty minute workout. All boom, right. you're done. But to really sit there and listen to it, especially considering that we are past that time in music, it's not a masterpiece, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's certain there's certain things that genres or bands or whatever that if you're not listening to it in the moment, it's not going to catch you the same way. Mm -hmm. You know, sort of like you say, listening to an Aerosmith album for really the first time in your mid 40s, you're like, yeah, these lyrics, huh? (laughs) (laughs) I can only hear about chasing tails so much before it's like, okay, Steve, yeah. Yeah. got a wife, two kids, and a mortgage. Uh, you're not really speaking to me, shall we say? I'm not relating, and that's, and that's and that's a good thing because that means you've actually got a healthy life. I don't so, relate, but you know, back in you know when you're like 19, 20, 21, I mean, that's where it's going to hit you. So it's it's that same thing just with Stone Temple Pilots for mm. me. Right. So there you have it. We uh, we we were kind of close on our ratings last time, and we, uh, if you average out mine, we're pretty much right on the same this time too. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. And another thing. So, what do you got for and another thing this week? So my and another thing, uh, pleasant surprise. I went out uh, this past Friday with my wife to a little film called Belfast uh, that was made by Kenneth Branagh. Is meant to be a semi-autobiographical film from his childhood growing up in Belfast in the midst of the starts to some of the rioting that that was occurring there. And, you know, basically a story from the perspective of the young protagonist who is a small boy uh, known as Buddy. And basically, it's really a a great story. I thought it was really nicely done. It it was shot in many ways like an artsy kind of movie, Mm -hmm. you know, where where you have a lot of close-ups on faces. And, you know, there's a shot in the beginning and at the end of modern day Belfast, and it's all in color. And then when the story starts, it's all in black and white. And basically just, you know, kind of telling the story and and having this theme throughout about, there's this great scene where he and his brother go, go to church and there's this like, you know, raving priest who's talking about you know the 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 narrow and and winding road that's less traveled versus the the easy road that you know the easy and wide road that's traveled and kind of that decision point of 
you know, figuring out where to go and, and kind of the struggle that his family has in terms of staying where they're comfortable in Belfast, mm. weighing it against, you know, their sons being impacted by the violence that's starting to happen in, in the city and, and just that, 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 tug, that kind of that tug of war that, that's going on there. And so I thought it was a really, uh, really well done story. Um, thought the message was great, you know, especially given the divisive climate that we're in today. And especially at the end, Buddy's father had, had some really good lines to kind of summarize some things and really uh, get you to think a little bit. So, mm-hmm. so I thought it was, it was a really well done movie and would, uh, would highly recommend it. If, if you're looking for something kind of like this, this episode where we talked about a couple albums that were a little bit off the beaten path, this film is not uh, by any stretch of, of the imagination, uh, Avengers Endgame level, but it is, it is something for the mind to chew on a little bit and done in a very uh, entertaining uh, and in deep way. So I would recommend uh, the movie Belfast if you can see it. Excellent. Excellent. And you, sir, what would you recommend or, or what is your and another thing? Well, so a little bit different because uh, not, not a book, movie or music recommendation. Uh, we are getting towards the end of the year. And, uh, of course, that means that the uh, the odometer is going to click over. We're going to be in 2022 before we freaking know it. Are you doing your taxes already? Uh, no, no, no. We just we that's a whole other story for another episode. I don't need to get into that right now. Free range idiocy does your finances. Yeah. I, <laughs> if you really want to see the idiots Patrick. at play, watch that one, baby. Patrick, just keep your eyes over. <laughs> no, don't. Oh, you think you're going to report me to the IRS? Yeah, let me know. I know who's been cheating on his 1040 easy for the past six months. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to keep those receipts. Yeah. Anyways, so uh, we are going to be in uh, the beginning of a new year, which means people are going to be making resolutions left, right, and center, and Mm. the gym is going to be packed for at least three weeks with people who are going to turn their life around. Uh, my advice is a uh, has a little bit to do with that. And my advice is just start now, do it and uh, and do it now and beat the rush. Uh, but when you're going to do it, my recommendation is invest in a personal trainer, especially if you're mm. someone like me. I have I've never been a gym rat. I've never been someone who is whose natural inclination is to go and lift heavy things. I've had jobs where that's I get paid to do that. But as far as paying someone else to do that, it just never quite made sense to me. Uh, it's like, so wait a minute, I pay you and then I do all the work. This is like the worst MLM scheme ever. <laughs> the MLM. I love it. So when I made the decision to go and, and start lifting and, and I've already, I've kind of always tried to keep a bit of a, a, a physical fitness regime, mm-hmm. kind of a plateau or a base of, of cardio and things like that, which has helped me at least not jellify, I guess you could say, <laughs> at a certain level, <laughs> considering my... My poor eating habits. Uh, Uncle Todd may not be a master of the maths, but the articulation <laughs> and verbiage, uh, top notch, my friend. Well done. Dude, it, well done. With, the, with the crap that I eat, it's, am- it's amazing. Jellify. I'm just not the ball. I love that. Yeah. For me, I needed, to, I needed that explanation. I need someone to hold my hand and show me, okay, how do I do this thing? How do I do this and how do I do it so I don't hurt myself? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because the thing is, and I don't know how many people know this or don't know this, but like at a certain point, you you're losing muscle every year mm. if, unless you're doing something to actively counteract it. And that kind of hit me this, this past year. I was like, okay, I, I need to do this. I, I can't keep talking about it. I need to do it. Mm-hmm. And so I invested in a personal trainer and just go in and, and, and talking with a trainer about what I wanted to do. What were my goals? Mm-hmm. It made me actually have to think about what my goals are. 
you know, and so I'm, I'm 45 years old. My goal wasn't, dude, I want to be ripped. Like, probably not going to happen. If it does, great. If not, eh, I'm not going to worry about wait, it. Wait, like, wait, So you didn't go in there and be like, let me tell you something, brother. No, no. And All they right. didn't hand me All steroids right away like okay. they do, like they did back in like mid 80s WWF locker room. 42 Here's your contract. Icons. And here is your anabolic steroids, steroids regime, um, you know, but going in and doing all that, it made me think about what, what are my goals? Like, okay, I just want to be overall fit. Yeah. I want to lose some weight, but I, I want an overall level of fitness mm. and I wanted to gain like upper body strength because I've never had upper body strength and I want to be overall physically fit. And I, I also wanted to do something to, I wanted to gain fitness to avoid injuring myself, mm-hmm. you know, cause I've, I've hurt my back and all this. And so working with a the trainer, they, she was able to work out a program for me to start out, was there to watch my progress and to push me because I needed that because I need someone there to tell me like, no, no, you can do this. You're doing it right. Your, your form is good. And to kind of reassure me, like, you're not going to break yourself. Mm-hmm. And so gaining that confidence has been, has been great. And you look at how much a, a trainer costs and it's not cheap. But it's also, you have to look at it as an investment in yourself. Yeah. And how many times do you say, oh, I'll go out to eat and I'll do this and I'll do that. Take some of that money and and put it towards this and it's a much better investment in yourself. Yeah. Why not spend it doing something that will get you into a habit that will pay dividends for you physically and emotionally down the line? Indeed. So that's my recommendation. If you're going back to the gym and you're like me and you're like, I don't know what I'm doing and it's scary, partly because you're like, I don't. I don't know what I do, so I'm going to hurt myself. And the other part is because I don't want to be the person walking around tapping people on the shoulder going, how do you use this machine? And you definitely don't want to be the people that you know get posted on social media using the machine wrong and someone's there with their phone going, oh my God, what the hell is this person doing? Invest in, in a personal trainer. Invest in that. And then, you know, now I don't I don't have a personal trainer every time I, you know, I still have her write the program and I work with her occasionally, but now I'm kind of on my own. I'm self-sufficient and uh, it, mm. it's helped me to gain confidence to do that. Like I walk into the gym now and I'm not as concerned of everybody going, oh boy, look at this guy's here. Oh, geez. Get out of his way. He's going to hurt himself and just don't get hurt by him. Here you know? comes co-host of one of the biggest, bu- oh, never mind. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> They never say that <laughs> ever. Uh, but that's my my recommendation to you, peoples. Very uh, nice. And that's in yourself. And I I will hundred percent back you up on that one. Uh, just through personal experience of my own. Uh, Pre COVID, I had a personal trainer that I was meeting with twice a week, and uh, the the gentleman made a a massive difference in. Uh, helping me understand what I needed to be doing. And, and it was, it was fantastic. So I, I will not uh, replicate what, what you have just said, but I will hundred uh, percent concur and, and back you up on that theme of the investment that, that you need to put into yourself. And the fact that uh, especially when you hook up with someone who really is trying to help you, like you said, achieve those goals and, and teach you and mentor you and things like that. That's, that's huge. So uh, definitely worth the investment hundred percent. Yes, indeed. Well, folks, it's about time for us to, well, close up this traveling roadshow of idiocy and head off into the sunset. <laughs> Listening to Aerosmith and STP as we travel. We're going we're gonna to pack up our snake oil and take it on to the next town. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. Uh, this, yes. this little caravan of curmudgeonly stupidity is indeed we would like to first of all though thank all of our listeners all the members of the free range idiocy congregation for gathering together Mm -hmm. 
the reading from the Holy Scriptures of Idiocy because we do. We believe in many things, mostly because, well, hell, we'll believe most anything because we're idiots. <laughs> we're we're kind of naive and easy to fool. Did you hear just that? Ask, <laughs> just ask the people around us Maybe. and they'll go, yep, they're pretty gullible. Mm -hmm. But we do believe in, uh, in, in redemption through the power of idiocy. Because quite honestly, it's our only chance. So we're we're banking on that, and well, time will tell how that works out for us. But you don't have to do that necessarily. You can just listen to the podcast and enjoy it and go, yeah, there are a couple chuckleheads. And if you want to do that, you want to go to freerangeidc.com, and you'll find all of our episodes there. You can subscribe right through there, or you can find us at the podcast purveyor of your choice, like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, any number of different podcast purveyors. Ask for us by name, as they used to say back in the day. How back in the day, I don't remember, but it was it was a long time ago. All right. I've already had enough old jokes. Or score. and Oh, never mind. Yeah, exactly. And then if you want some extra points uh, in the in the free range EDC uh, congregation slash MLM, if you want to level <laughs> up. You can uh, you can you can find us on the social medias and and like us on all of those places and retweet us and and repost us and whatever it is that you do on Instagram. I don't know. I'm just I just started using stories the other, like a couple weeks ago. That's how freaking ancient I am. Like what is this stuff here? But you can find us on the on Twitters. We're on the Facebooks. We're on the Instagrams. All of those are at Free Range Idiocy. And if you have a question, a thought, a concern, again, if you'd like to you know lobby on my behalf for the Eternals real and jabroni that just happened last episode, maybe raise a few points and kind of back me up on that maybe we can i can close the gap on tim a little bit i know i'm not winning but if you yeah just make it a little bit more of an honorable defeat that's all i'm asking just get me within sniffing distance i, I i'm what boo boo is it what are we doing yogi bear now boo -boo -boo. <laughs> oh we are so easily distracted it's not even funny but anyways if you have questions thoughts concerns you want to lobby on my behalf you send those to tim at free range com and the man they call tim well He'll be right back to you. Post haste, PDQ, mm -hmm. ASAP, VIP, something, 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 <laughs> another abbreviation. I don't know. I, I ran will out. not procrastinate as I navigate the oh, feedback geez. that is sent to me. Uh, I, I will uh, I will read and uh, I will participate in the- Are you uh, sure you're going to read? Because you're having an awful hard time speaking. <laughs> starting to wonder. <laughs> Actually, wasn't it, wasn't it a couple episodes ago we, you you were you couldn't read anything? I, I, I thought I was d dealing with an illiterate co-host. <laughs> well, I- I was I was basically uh, operating without a list of words that end in A T E and just sounding silly as uh, I did it. So. I got you. Oh yeah, and that was the episode you had a couple nips and Uncle Nearest before. Yeah, before I, the show I, I blame the Uncle Nearest. So, <laughs> well, anyways, but now we come to the point in time where my portion of the show is done. So I'm gonna kick back and relax because I can't screw anything up now. Mm. Hey, mm. and but it is the point when we need to ask the second most important question humankind has ever asked the first of course being what is hip the second being the hell did we learn uh we've learned the following my friend we have learned uncle todd once he applies himself to fantasy football he can actually uh you know generate some wins and so there's no uh, application it's just sheer dumb luck and it's gonna go away just as quickly as it came <laughs> I'm telling you right now, that 84 points, he's going to be down to a solid 12 come playoff time. I was going to say, the, you know, this week, Jonathan Taylor, mark him down, 75 fantasy points. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> when he's just like, it's going to be my fantasy team is just like Roger Clemens back in the day. When you need him the least, you can count on him the most. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, you know, the man they call Tim, once again, making his opponent capitulate, suffocate, and uh, it is resonating throughout the league. So, ladies and gentlemen, so still in first with, with a firm <sighs> grip, a headlock, if you will, on, on the top spot. This uh, rhyming makes me want to defecate. <laughs> Uh, looking forward to Spider-Man No Way Home uh, and, and looking forward to the Ahsoka series, uh, especially with the announcement of some of the, the characters that we've only seen in animated form kind of coming to life. Uh, what will be very, very interesting to see in, in the form of Sabine Wren. So that I'll, I'll be looking or we will be looking forward to that as will the Star Wars universe. Uh, you know, we'll report back next uh, episode, ladies and gentlemen, on our culinary chicanery. Uh, Uncle Todd and the man they call Tim lighting up uh, the fire producing uh, implements to cook some turkey. We will report back and determine not the real or the jabroni, but uh, you know, who actually had a meal and who, who, who blew it up. So no, I'm going to, I'll wait. I'll let you know after I wake up from the coma, I might be up <laughs> by the time we record next. <laughs> Uncle Todd will be, you know, just laying on the kitchen floor with bacon wrappers and, you know, just all sorts of stuff over him. Just, just like, what, what happened? Yeah, that'll be drinking like a gravy milkshake when we're recording <laughs> our next episode. Uh, and as we discussed, you know, STP and uh, Stone Temple Pilots and Aerosmith, you know, do check them out. Maybe not these albums, but uh, his know, bands. That's why I was stuttering a little bit. It's like, you know, we, we put forth a couple albums that are off the beaten path. Given all that was said, you, you know, do check them out nonetheless. You might get a little something-something out of them. Not everyone can be a winner. So... so. <laughs> Wow, way to sell that one! Thank you, Tim. Well, hey, Thanks. we had a solid three from both of us on these, so you know oh, it's it, it's uh, you might win, you might lose. All right, but do fair check. enough. With all that being said, especially <laughs> want to once again, you know, just reiterate uh, the, the the thanks as we enter the Thanksgiving season for the downloads. Uh, we appreciate our last episode uh, inching forward beyond the twenty mark. We we very much appreciate that. We're we're over twenty three hundred downloads and. and still rising so we, we thank you for the support for the listeners and with all that being said you know be safe be healthy be kind be good to one another remember to be thankful uh, a lot to be thankful for and, and and we have to take a moment and kind of think about it a little bit as opposed to letting all the all the all the stuff swirling around us uh, distract us from that so take some time this week and be a little bit thankful. Mm-hmm. but as we say that and, and as patrick has brought to our attention the power bill is running a little high so as we like to always close out please uh just for for, for the sake of the business and so patrick doesn't have to carry that one would you please hit the lights on the way out it's like i took the wrong week to quit drinking so patrick <laughs> Here we go. What what happened? <laughs> you, oh, so you did go to the McDonald's next door. Okay. Yeah, I can tell because you, you got that French fry sticking out your. <laughs> well, the handprint on the other cheek did kind of give it away. Did I he told walk you through the drive through again? No, no. I. What? <laughs> Dude, I. I told you not to make fun of her peg leg. Oh, t- I told you. Oh, Woman's got, yeah, she's got a peg leg and an eye patch. I told you not to make fun of her. Oh, boy. First of all, it ain't polite. Second of all, <laughs> she's got about a foot and a half on you. <laughs>
No, I wouldn't mess around with her. Oh my gosh. I'd mess around with Shayna Baszler before I'd mess around with her. <laughs> F around and find out. That's what that's what's gonna happen. Now get the hell out of here!